Shift command in. Sound. Sound engaged. Think after link. Clicking. Clicking now. Good morning. Morning. You like my transition? That's great. Microfiber transition. You're supposed to wear, like, be wearing something like really seductive after that, though, I think. <laughs> Just like the TikTokers. I did get pretty wet on the way in, so you know. <laughs> You're lucky I've got clothes on at all. You wipe it down and it's just, you see the hoodie and then the hoodie's gone. You just have the coveralls. (laughs) Making content already. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) A clap first for for once. Let's do that. Three, two, one. Mm. How are you? Pretty good. Ricky is out today, so it's just me and I'm. I walked into a lot of computer work, and I was like those days when it's just quiet and focused. It's like a weekend, basically, but I'm still here working. <laughs> mm, nice days off in the shop. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What are you working on? Uh, the Shopify build thing. I can't decide on a mm-hmm. theme, so that kind of like stops the whole <laughs> workflow. So many options. Down. I was chatting with Jay a little bit about some advice on Slack, and they were just oh, like... Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Just like I, I use this one because I like it because <laughs> there's just so many and I have a good experience with it. Like, yeah, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's what it's about ultimately. Yeah, it's just committing to one that doesn't look terrible. <laughs> it, it, yeah, they don't look terrible. Like, there's a couple I like, but it's interesting how variable the feature sets are and like what's all built in already. Like, you're saying, like, I don't want to yeah, customize right. it to death, but you can't start to build a page with this new. 2.0 theme system thing that has all the mm. cool like blocks or whatever they call them without choosing a theme. So <laughs> it's kind of a chicken and egg thing sometimes. Did you look at Flex? I, I looked at it, but I also just don't want to like, I don't want to have the same one as you guys have. <laughs> yes. We'll be judged harshly if we yes. have the same Shopify All these theme. people Everyone will, know. will notice. I mean, we've told them now, so. Yeah, just everybody that listens to this has the same Shopify theme. Burn it, burn it down. Shouldn't shouldn't have told us. I have a little yeah, surprise. Cool. Top of the top of the list here. I created a subreddit for the podcast. Insert cricket sample. I don't have that one yet. I have this. I don't. <laughs> that was what you needed at the start, as I revealed my. <laughs> We'll put that in later. Soggy, soggy self. Uh, I forgot about it. Dang it, that would have been perfect. I'm going to sound either old or I don't know what. What's a subreddit? So, well, Reddit is just the kind of like place in Reddit where there's like a topic that you can then subscribe to and make posts and comments. I'll okay. send you a link. Is Reddit, is, is Reddit a place where you hang out? Yeah, you used to a lot more. I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. It's like zeitgeist use but it used to be like the viral place of the internet for a long time like you would you know find stuff there and also things would get published you know people would want to get like on the front page of reddit because it's just millions of people seeing that and okay not trying to go viral here but just i know other podcasts that have a subreddit and it's a place that's not well i guess that you can consider it social media i consider it more like a forum where you can communicate okay. about things in specific and 
who knows, maybe not to use it, but it took all of uh, 10 minutes to set up. So I'm just gonna, gonna leave it in the show notes, but cool. I did okay. completely skip your, how are you doing segment? And because I was excited about the subreddit. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't understand. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah. Been better. Yeah. No, I'm all right. I think a little, little bit down, I think, generally. Oh, man, um, yeah. Anything but... you want to talk about on the podcast? <laughs> um, sure. I think it's, don't know. Look, everything's fine, generally, yeah. in the scheme, greater scheme of things. But I think I am struggling a little bit with the identity shift of no longer being that guy who makes stuff. I think the, it's been long enough now that I've been off the tools that I'm really sort of, yeah, struggling a little bit with that transition in terms of feeling useful and valuable. And also it's just, you know, it's been 15 years of kind of hustling and creating things using tools that has formed my identity, who Mm -hmm. I think I am. So like shifting away from that in the current business trajectory and model has been a little bit difficult, but that's to be expected. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my first question is, does it have to be an absolute thing? I mean, you, you have a choice yeah. in these things, so I'm sure you can find... It's probably just more, I guess, if I had had to kind of read between the lines, is that your primary <laughs> role and tasks doesn't supply you with the same kind of like what you like the challenge and the kind of like experience of kinetically doing things to create things rather than being on the other Mm. side of that yeah true like there's no really there's not really any reason why i'm not still able to get up early and come in and tinker on the pencil sharpener as i was and feel sort of validated in that r&d process but i think there's just a bit of a sort of a compounding effect going on at the moment where i'm not getting up early enough and so i don't do it and then i feel crap about the fact that i haven't done it yeah, no, I know that feeling. Handing on itself a little bit, and then so then I continue to not do it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, a bit to unpack there. I'm also still reading this Less Is More book. Oh yeah, and about degrowth, and it's it's heavy going. Like I think it's a really important book to read, but bloody hell, it's making me question a lot of things about being in business. Yeah, and when I'm feeling up and inspired, I see it as you know i see great opportunity and potential to make change and do something important but if i'm not in that sort of bouncy upstate it can just be very uh, very sobering depressing as well so yeah yeah that's interesting yeah no i mean i feel for that like i've been there i mean it's part of why i chose to get away from the job shop work that i just kind of felt myself sliding into this like is this what i'm gonna do for the next 20 years mm. because the longer i felt we were reliant on that it was never my intention in the first place and like i just didn't i mean unfortunately probably the business was never big enough that like there was a whole team of people surrounding that thing being supported like there you know it could have kept growing and i think the more that kept growing the harder it was to pull away from it yeah um you know i was talking with some friends about business stuff the other day and it was thinking like, you know, we're all kind of not great at business because we choose things so emotionally. You know, I don't want to do 
this other thing that was making us money per and that's basically like the only reason but maybe i should have maybe that was the best business choice and it's really hard to take that subjectivity out of like you know is this what i should be doing versus uh, is that the right like if this business is like its own it's like a child you're trying to care for but you like don't really have to care that much for it <laughs> you know like you don't have to always pick the best things for it yeah yeah it's hard hey? i don't know it kind of reminds me um, of did you, on the bomb. John and John were talking about Saunders surprised me out of nowhere, saying that he's been thinking about and not a, not against the idea of hiring a CEO, <laughs> which was just like I mean, like when I think of <laughs> CNC business people, like he's like the CEO to me. Yeah, yeah, but I get it. I, I get I, that. I get that, and I re- read into that, however incorrectly, that could potentially be a, a similar response of wanting to stay on the tools, exactly and be involved. Yeah, I, he said that not he's like wanting to be not wanting to be sucked away into just business strategic stuff. <laughs> I think he said specifically, you know, I would have never thought I'd say this, but you know, I think of myself as pretty good at business, but I've moved away from. And now I'm starting to think I'm potentially better at machining than I am a business now. Yeah. And I definitely like the machining better. And mm-hmm. I totally get that. It's like every day that I'm stuck just sitting at this computer, it's like I run away at 5 p.m. And like, I got to finish this part before I go home. <laughs> like, it just it's like that desire to like, I mean, we both came through kind of a similar school and you kind of get into that based on your interests in the first place where it's so Ooh. much driven around what you're I don't know. I'm sure you made a lot of physical prototypes, I imagine, in school. Terrible ones, yeah. Yeah. But you, you had a lot of hand-making things. And even my wife, yeah. like, she was really good at model making. And she always, like, she sews a lot now. And that's, like, one of the ways she sticks with that. But I don't know. I, I can't imagine that going away, for me anyway. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I made terrible models at school. We didn't really, I always joke that we didn't really learn how to make anything in an industrial design other than like <laughs> crappy spray painted MDF models <laughs> I used to paint in my dorm room. No, that's, yeah, it's really interesting that point about replacing yourself with a CEO. Like at the moment, I feel like I really see the value in growing a team and like, like it's been really rewarding delegating big chunks of my role to people over the last year or so and seeing Mm -hmm. them grow it's been fantastic having john replace me as lead machinist a year or so ago and just seeing him like really flourish in that role and smash it and do really well so like there's great value in doing that and whilst concurrently sort of really missing being that person so kind of holding both of those things in the one hand of like fantastic to see someone develop and grow yeah, whilst also kind of being jealous of <laughs> the job they get to do. And so I think I've done that more and more, you know, also with some of the sort of production management and also the, some of the business stuff with Sarah. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I was chatting to my coach a little bit about it the other day and he was, you know, he was saying, you know, this is just one of the transitions you're going to have to go through and get comfortable with and everything's changing all the time and it's just getting used to it and embracing change. I don't know. I like my reaction. That, or, you, go ahead. or you do the knee-jerk reaction and go back to like <laughs> being a solo operator. You're all fired. I'm running all the tools. Goodbye. But I've had friends do that in their businesses. Like they've grown and grown and grown and then they've got to a point. I remember, I won't name names, but someone I studied with grew quite a successful business, probably around our size in terms of staff. Yeah. He came back from an overseas trip one day. He was just like, I, I just want to go back to being the guy on the machine. And he shut it all down and closed the shop and like, and now he's just 
tinkering away is just just him. I've had that discussion with multiple friends and and you know, I feel like after we moved into this shop, things changed for me in that the discussion with my wife and how the risk of buying a CNC, put it in our garage at home and then moved, to, you know, eventually to the small sublease of a sublease, basically open space for a year was like, well, within a year, if it all goes to crap, we can afford to pay that, you know, crappy lease and we'll yeah. move everything back. But now it's like, it's probably bankruptcy, <laughs> you know, is the only out, you know, at this point. And that feeling goes away. Like there's definitely, I could find ways to to run it down but i definitely in our conversation about less versus more i still have myself thinking like we need a bigger shop you know i need a bigger space Mm. i want to add more machines but you know they're not all even busy at this point so it's like there's a kind of a disconnect there for me for sure of like my desires versus reality of business so yeah i I got one idea for how you could uh, get your hands dirty still every once in a while as you weekly or maybe monthly or something you you trade with somebody for a day <laughs> they can be boss for a day and you get to do their job and it would help kind of like see the inefficiencies potentially that they're dealing with and then they would potentially get an experience of like what it's like to make some decisions i don't know how you give that kind of that's cool i don't know i like it well that was a heavy start all right it's good cheers it's coffee time it's always coffee time Don. I've got an update on last week's QC situation on the pencil sharpener. So after recording last week, I jumped out there and fiddled around. So it was, it was, what's the expression? T-I-R? What does that stand for? Oh, so, yeah. Total, total include run out. Yeah, yeah. Run um, out. <laughs> it, was a, it was a run out issue just on the top spindles. One of them must have taken a bump hmm. in the last week. Thankfully, John got in on Monday morning and was like, oh, cool. Okay. I know which order I machine these boxes of parts in. I can go back through and try and work out where the point was. And he did work out nice. where the point was. And it wasn't that long ago. So thankfully, we only lost, I don't know, 10 or 15% of the parts oh, yeah. from that week, which wasn't too bad. It could have been a lot worse. And it's a good kind of reminder of how we should be QCing things and checking stuff. And he had, that's the thing. It wasn't that he hadn't been QCing, he was doing it pretty frequently double checking stuff so it happened relatively recently and snuck through sure and then i'd run some legacy code which had slightly more extreme offsets and so suddenly with the legacy code it became really apparent that there was something wrong whereas his parts were sort of still just within tolerance and so you hadn't noticed towards the end of the week i would imagine i mean they know very little about finding ways to do thread checks but I think you can like measure what the inner and the outer threads, but I'm, I don't know how you make that very accurate. Like it's not like a go, no go gauge other than like your twist test, which would still work, but yeah, like just calibering the threads, I guess. But then how do you do it on the ID? I don't know how you do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the plan is to set up some sort of twist test, maybe with a torque wrench. Ooh. So yeah. it's not dependent on, you know, John's a rock climber and he's got very strong grip strength. It would be unfair for the, the best product ever. The tolerance to be based on his grip strength. So, yeah, I think we'll get our hands on a little torque wrench and set up a little jig so you can just like boom, boom, drop it in, give yeah, it a twist. Good. Yep, passes. And then that can be checked, you know, every morning or a few times a week or something. It um, kind of yeah. makes me think have you watched, you've probably similar to me, like I think I watched this forever ago. 
but it's the first shop tour, first or second shop tour Saunders does with Jay Pearson. And he's like showing him how yeah. they assemble parts. And it like now looks pretty dated. And Pearson's shop is like <laughs> so different because he's moved like twice. But it's just really cool to see like the guy, you know, Pearson just has this like clock like brain, but just everything's perfectly set up and the processes are perfect. And, and there's just some really interesting stuff. So I'll put a link in. And one of the things he had, they had made a, I don't even know the right words, but it's basically like a torque wrench style, like thing that they twist in the bottom of their pallets with. So instead of trying to align this like little uh, insert, it like magnetizes to it and you just put it in and twist until it stops and then it's perfectly yeah. set up. It made me think of your like yeah. torque wrench scenario. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, I wonder if Jay Pearson's like staying, I don't you know, as he developed that sort of lean shop, those systems, like I wonder whether he was like in there late at night after the employees had gone like tinkering with all the stations, like making instructions or whether he's the more the personality is capable of doing that kind of as part of the job. I, I would find it really hard to sort of focus in on that level of detail as part of a working day. What's, what's interesting, I mean, that kind of parlays into another discussion I wanted to bring up, but I've recently been looking at their website and they have like very few products. Like it is, it is mm. very, I mean, there's accessories to those things and they make a lot of sub assembly parts, I think. But I just kind of like impressed as well as jealous of how simplified and good their products are. It's just like we hit, we sell yeah. three types of things. <laughs> That's it. You oh, know, like joyous. Joyous. And it's such a great business that I was surprised. I had like in my head, I was like, oh, they've probably expanded more things, you know? <laughs> It's like three things. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I had a moment last night actually cooking dinner. Of, what if I just went in in the morning and just culled off 90% of the product line? <laughs> so much stuff on our website and a lot of it sells in very low volume. How important is all yeah, that I, that's an interesting to drawing people in? Does it serve a purpose just to sort of capture attention from lots of different people and then pull them into our top sellers or is it mm -hmm. completely superfluous i don't know no. it's kind of like why i've never turned off my desk thing i don't know that it ever mm. had any attention i had a couple of good runs of like social media or like probably reddit honestly posts that bring people yeah. to your site right and it's like if that just goes yeah. away and it's a black hole it's probably yeah. an seo hit so you know, what is the mm -hmm. version of that? It's like an RAP version. Like <laughs> this product's dead, but check something else out. Yeah, yeah. I have the same thought. Kind of want someone like a really confident marketing person to mm. come in and be like, what are you doing selling this bed? Get rid of it. How many units do you sell? One a month? Cool. Kill it. Someone with external perspective who can just whip us into shape. I mean, one would, you know, like, if it was detracting from your ability to make and sell your best products, yeah, you get rid of it. Yeah, right? that's where the gray line is. Like, it doesn't. Yeah. But like it also is like, there's like... The files are developed. I've noticed that too. It's like when you have to go back to make something that's old, you know, you haven't done it in a while, you either make mistakes on making it again, yep. or nobody can remember and you haven't documented it well things are you know it's like this it's almost like the story of lean over again it's like you haven't done it enough that you haven't created good enough yeah. processes that it's i don't know there's definitely something there oh there's another bomb conversation that was really good and i think saunders posed the idea of like so let's say you got hit by a car and we're in a 
coma mm-hmm. for six months and they hired me to come run your business, what would we change? What would I have to make those changes? It was like really eye opening of what if, you know, like what if some, you know, what would I change in your business if yeah, I had to yeah. come? I'd have to pick up an accent, Ooh, first of fun. all. <laughs> it's a fun, fun experiment. I like that. Yeah. Maybe next week we can report back on the one change we'd make in each other's Ooh. business. What's your one change? Counting up machine numbers is interesting. The only person I really heard ever talk about is John Grimsbo, who somehow figured out how to do it in whatever controller he has, where it like serializes his yeah. tools. and He's doing it in G-code somehow. Yeah, magic. Magic. No, yeah. but we've got this project, machining lockers, and each door is going to have a unique number on it because they're lockers. And it just occurred to me last night that we shouldn't <laughs> be modeling these locker banks with numbers 1 to 80 on them in Fusion. We should just make a single dedicated setup file because we're going to machine the doors from the back anyway with the hinge cups and stuff. Yep. So then John will be putting them back on the machine one at a time to quickly engrave a number in the front. So. Mm-hmm. My brainwave was like, cool, we just need a single setup file to do that double-sided operation. And within that, you've just got a text box that you can quickly edit the text, repost the code, edit yeah. the text, repost the code, basically, as he's standing there by the machine. Hmm. But I was just thinking about, yeah, he's wondering, curiosity, whether you've ever come across any way to either using parameters in Fusion or sort of at the G-code level to count up closest i got was grasshopper labeling things in modeling model making in school and it would like bind a piece of text curve to the part and when it got nested it would be with it and then you could engrave that or cut it but i don't think that's a very easy problem to solve but but i also haven't tried to so i'm sure somebody's figured it out and i'm grant grimsman might tell you how he did it i don't it's probably very specific to his machines though Exactly, yeah. Grasshopper's great at stuff like that. Yeah. I wanted to be able to, like, we talked about this. We had somebody on staff that did a little bit of program, like, not cam programming, did that too, but it was more like computer programming. And we had talked about ways to make, Real like, programming. yeah, to generate little G code files for the router specifically of, like, let's cut a rectangle or, like, it was, yeah. you know, kind of like a drop-down creator of, like, type-in sizes, and you could cut out a drag knife, a box, you know, like, without needing to set up cam, because that was such a messy process for that specific thing. And honestly, that's just one of the things that Fusion sucks at, is it's not fast. Like, it's fast in that if you want to go from design to manufacturing with a file, that's pretty quick. But, like, if you just want to, like, quickly dump out a file, I would probably choose, like, VCarve, because it's, like, way faster. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like that at points too. And then I sort of catch myself thinking, I haven't done the hours in Fusion that I've done in Rhino. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't bothered to set up a good shortcut workflow in Fusion ever. And yet every time I reinstall Rhino, I spend an hour carefully setting up all these shortcuts and mouse mapping and stuff just so I can work really effectively. I think I think Fusion can, yes, on surface value, it is slower. But I think mm-hmm. it can be pretty quick if you set up good systems. Yeah. Files would open in a timely manner. Oh my God. That irritates me. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, the program is basically always open because if I have to open it again, seven minutes later. Oh, no. No, yeah. it just reminded me of the how I learned Rhino because we did a semester of Rhino at school. And I hated it. I thought, what is this nonsense that's not SolidWorks? Oh, what a waste I was of say, time. What are you using before that? 
yeah, it was, we were all trained in SolidWorks and we were pretty addicted to it. So then we we're introduced to this like curvy lines and surfaces stuff. I'm like, this is nonsense. Anyway, I then got a job after school working for a sculptor who did a lot of inflatable sculptures. He had Rhino and so I got this job and he had to work in Rhino because that was his native system for what it dabbled in before and sort of, yeah, that's where I got good at it. But like yeah. it's fantastic for making big inflatable sculptures with parts that have to be unwrapped and rolled out and cut on a plotter and then glued back together again. They yeah. all have to be labelled and like fantastic for doing stuff. Unroll is so cool. Like, take a surface yeah, and flatten it cool. out. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like a maker's, I just say the Swiss Army knife. Like There's so many ways you can use it that it's like, if somebody's thought of a way to do something, mm. you know, in 3D CAD of some sort, you can probably do it in Rhino. Like <laughs> somebody's done it. Yeah. You can paste a script in somewhere and it will like do it for you. Yeah. Such a deep tool set. Laura's been doing some, um, she's putting in some proposals for some new public artworks at the moment. And so she's been trying to animate because another sort of LED fiber optic concept. And she's been trying to like animate within rhino these sort of point clouds of a possum walking through a space but like Whoa. all animated in point clouds Whoa. and like we've, we've spent a few evenings on the couch both in rhino trying to like muck around to work out the best workflow to make these simple sort of keyframe animations great fun yeah that's wow crazy fusion fusion, fusion. kind of a endless problem that never goes away it's a good question how do you fix messy fusion models I don't. <laughs> I was going to say that too. Start again. Don't. <laughs> I Dang really, it. yeah. No, I really don't. Yeah, I kind of do the same. Like, in particular, this model of this fork came from somebody modeled it, and it was pretty rough. And then we yeah. quickly, I kind of, like, adapted it when we were making the first set of, I'm pointing to the tool fork on our yeah. ATC for the router. And I adapted it for this version, which is basically, like, subtracting and making small modifications bit of cheeky direct modeling and now i'm trying to go back and model it tweak it just a little bit more and i'm at this place of like i either change it now or it's forever a disaster (laughs) and i'm trying to think of like what's the fastest way to like take a part that it's not like super complicated but it's got like you know curvy surfaces that are swept and like some of it's parametric like this stuff in the back is parametric but none of the front is but the first the only thing i can think of is to potentially this sounds kind of crazy but like insert it into a new file and kind of like trace it but do it parametrically trace it but not project off it not project off it it yeah no yeah i would like draw with it one of the stupid problems of fusion is you can't have two windows open so like i can't measure yeah. stuff off of one onto the other i guess i could have rhino open with it as a side can't piece you just measure all if it was me and i just can't quite tell how complex that part is but yeah i would measure all the features and write it as a list of parameters in a clean file so every yeah. feature is just a parameter sure. in the list and then yeah, yeah. remodel it but yeah i was going to definitely pull some do you use the export import CSV file thing? There's a really nice little application add-in called Parameter IO, I think, and it just lets you basically dump out CSV files of your parameters, and then you can import them back into another file. Oh, really? That's pretty, cool. Pretty handy. I have to check that out. Might save some time setting up the same parameters over and over again. Yes. Cool. 
you just gave me i don't know why i've never done this before god that's really stupid i have like a template wow. rhino file that's like on our website for people to like upload files to us the little layers are there and stuff but then i was yeah. just thinking like why the hell have i never done that for fusion like mm. start with a file that's like i don't know what you say like plywood design or something and so it has like yeah. length width thickness stuff dado yeah. rabbit and they're all yeah, there, yeah, and yeah. you can change them if you want to. Why haven't I done that? It'd save <laughs> a minute each time, but kind of that up so much. I did that, and I find Fusion's file management so clunky that I don't bother <laughs> opening the template folder to go and find that file every time. That is true. Again, it's just about the systems I've built and being a bit sloppy. That's um, very true. But, and the search uh, is, like, basically useless. Useless. Don't get me started. <laughs> I love the next one. I'm not <laughs> going to talk you out of buying a, a Pearson pallet. You're not going to talk me out of it? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Someone else Come to do on. that. Be, be my accountability buddy. <laughs> I want one of those. Yeah, I me don't too. even have a machine to put it on. Well, you probably could put it on your router. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely, I mean, it's like one of those weird things where you're like, it's like how I learned Fusion was I was watching Saunders videos before I needed to use Fusion. So then I was like, oh, I can yeah. design in that. And then, oh, I have a CNC now. I could use Fusion for that. And it was like I was learning these things before I needed them. And so then I've been watching these these companies, Saunders and Grimsmo and, and Pearson. And like, those palette changers look cool. I don't need that. And now it's like, well, <laughs> kind of want one of those because yeah, I, I have the right tools yeah. for it now. And then they're doing a sale <laughs> currently for they didn't go to IMTS. and so. Instead, they're doing 15% off. I'm sure by the time this is out, the sale will be over, but I put the link in there in case you're interested in the code. Oh, that's <laughs> such a nice website. I was going to say, it. are just, you like, you're going to get one now? I have to get a Pro Palette system for the router. Have you come across those videos on TikTok of that Irish actress reacting to the, the wood chopping guy? Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. felt like her as I opened the Pro Palette system. I just kind of melted <laughs> and wanted to scream into my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah it's it's so it's pretty clean delicious the only criticism yeah. i have is i don't like that it's two separate sites that they're like marketing is separate from there and you can barely tell but it's like the navigation changes and stuff like that and i'm going through the same problem of like i'm gonna combine my all my websites back again once i move to shopify but how do you make it not this disaster of like two different navigations and not that i think theirs is but do you know what system Pearson's website is built on? Don't, but there's a Don't website tell. called builtwith.com, and you put in hey. the URL, and it creates an error. I want to say it was like Magenta, because I tend to look at this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the website's great. I mean, all of their, like, it's like whoever he's hired or outsources video content making to is, like, very good. On point. All right. That's enough swooning over Pearson. So you're definitely getting one of those. Good. <laughs> Thanks for sucking me out of it. <laughs> no, they're so freaking sweet. Like, it's kind of a lusty tool thing. But, I mean, I'd considered it, but the price seemed... It still is, a, you know, it's a lot when you don't need it 
need need it, you know, for like efficiency. I'm not doing that yeah. much, but I mean, I'm designing palettes that don't go on that currently. I'll go on a faster change system. So it's like, is that just a stupid, I'm wasting my time and an effort there. And so I emailed him today and asked a couple of questions because like, basically I want to make, I want to put a palette on this larger than what they recommend or what they sell already. And I'm just curious whether or not that's just a terrible idea, but they're pretty great pretty fast it's so so genius <laughs> so genius the way that like you pull it up and it uses air pressure to like create a vacuum yeah, yeah super cool speaking of websites it's wordpress by the way yeah more like sales and just general business strategy of like uh, i've probably yeah. said a few times that we've just i've been rethinking all of my choices about pricing and like strategy where I feel like mm. when, I mean, as of yesterday, I had this thought of like, when I started Portland CNC in 2017, there was like very little competition for doing the odd jobs of like the harder CNC routing things. And so yeah. it was kind of easy going to, to win jobs. And maybe my prices were lower, turnaround times were maybe faster, material was the you know optimal price. So there's all these things kind of going well, maybe for everybody, but we just had that one niche. And for whatever reasons, like very, very low, like inquiries for the last few months. Part of that, you know, I've raised rates because of what I think, you know, over the years, like we've gotten better at certain things and our value is there, you know, a lot of regard. But then also like in the last six months, I raised the rates because like inflation was out of control and everything was costing more. But then, you know, in the last few weeks, I've just been like, man, I don't know. I think I got to do something here because we're just not winning jobs for cost reasons. Or, you know, half of that is sometimes just the material is also crazy expensive. And altogether, it makes it either non-competitive potentially with other people or altogether, it's just not a good price for the customer to continue their project. So, yeah, just second guessing everything, my choices of the past, I guess. Yeah, totally. I mean, when you go to your website, it's very evident that you do contract CNC, but you're, I remember like when we started recording this and some of the people on my team were like, who's Justin? What does Justin do? And like, it sort of became apparent that they might've only seen you on Instagram or they were just looking you up on Instagram for the first time. And I think the, the way you present the brand on Instagram is quite, you know, playful and it's same as me. It's like it's whatever you're interested in at the moment, typically. <laughs> yes. You've done a push with your product more recently, but like prior to that it was kind of a bit more sort of ad hoc and just whatever you were sort of interested in yeah, at the time. For sure. And you've got that great educational sort of YouTube focus as well. So I think there's maybe it's about what you put out there too in terms of what you get back. Mm. There wasn't a sense from those people on my team who were discovering you for the first time that there was no clarity, I suppose, of like what service. I see. From that Instagram face, at least, you know, obviously oh, very different yeah, yeah. website. But yeah, in terms of what you're putting out on Instagram at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I guess I've, so my history of starting Portland CNC through maybe today, which it's definitely grown and changed via where we get inquiries from, but it's almost, I mean, for the longest time, it's like 90% from Google, like people finding a search. And then, you know, over time, let's say Instagram has grown and maybe a little bit of YouTube and we'll get a few people from those sources. But um, yeah, I could definitely, I mean, I've definitely been talking mostly about like dust boots and things that 
we're trying to obviously promote or talk about that seem important. But I guess maybe this is wrong. Maybe I should think about it differently. But I don't think of Instagram as a place where we're going to grow a local business from, I guess. Yeah. Do you you feel that differently? Yeah, I think I feel differently about that. I think I find it very anecdotally very effective. Hmm. growing interesting local leads for for both types of work like a retail and yep. you know, yeah interesting sure. i think because it it taps you know whether they're direct leads or whether it's sort of that word of mouth of like oh who do i know if you could do something like that oh yeah i've seen that guy on instagram <laughs> yeah that makes stuff or has those machines why don't you talk to them that's yeah. not necessarily that the lead is coming because they've seen the videos like mm-hmm. yeah word of mouth is so powerful but yeah definitely i think yeah yeah i think instagram definitely taps into that too yeah kind of a weird complaint in that i definitely intentionally moved away from doing a lot of job shop work for so many months and so there's some of that like let's say regret or i don't even know if it's regret just second guessing of like how stupid was that you know to go with this idea of making products as our primary effort for a while which has turned into like i'm still stoked i think there's a huge potential still with different products we're working on but it also is just really tough to when you don't sell as much as you used to make in job shop work it's a rough transition so still in that phase it's definitely turning we sold i feel like now that the dust boots are out there they're through most probably your videos as well as other people you know seeing it and seeing that it's available now or it's picking up i think in terms of sales and like it's People are curious to try it with other types of machines too, which is interesting. We've had a multicam in the States here. Somebody bought one, an AXYZ. A bunch of people with Lagunas really want to try it, but I'm pretty convinced it probably wouldn't work just based on the way their ATC works. But anyway, babbling. Is anyone taking you up on the test fit guarantee? Uh, it's kind of like people have done it without choosing the test fit guarantee button. They're like, yeah. it's not compatible, but I'm pretty sure it'll work. And I'm like, sometimes I'll follow cool. up like, hey, I want to make sure that you know, just basically reaching out, like, I'm curious how you think this is going to work. And if it does, I'd love to know about it so we can like confirm it for other people. And yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, it's interesting for sure. Yeah. Following up's a powerful thing. Yeah. Like neither of us are doing the kind of volume where it's not impossible to follow up with every single customer. So you can get so much out of that, both in terms of ongoing sort of support from that customer, but also just that simple thing of like direct feedback. How did you go? Yeah, what were the sure. instructions like? Could you follow the instructions? Like, do you do any type of like uh, post other than like requesting reviews or something? Do you do any type of post either post job or post product delivery like feedback request or something? We don't have anything set up for product sales at the moment. We've kind of talked about it a lot, and we don't know the best. We're not comfortable in terms of the best way to push that out. We don't want something that's sort of pushy, like Hmm. leave us a review now that you've got your thing. We Hmm. want it to be sort of more helpful than that. We haven't come up with the right recipe. But in terms of custom work, we do a post-job follow-up with every single custom job. Wow. Wow. And it's just sub-five-minute call of like, how did you go? You happy with everything? And often with custom jobs, that kind of just happens organically. Um, but we do try and force ourselves to follow up on everyone and just be like, did it arrive as expected? Did it go together okay? Like, you have to do with that thing. Do you mean custom product design or custom, like, you just make parts for them off of, like, a file they provide? We do very little of that sort of work, but anything that's quoted is what I, I call custom. I see, yeah. So, yeah, if it's not a direct sale on Shopify, then it's 
some yeah. sort of custom quote, whether sure. that's custom product or CNC cut parts or mm-hmm. joinery or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I just happened to, I was kind of looking back as you were talking about my Instagram and I was like, just staring at it as you were talking a little bit there. And I was like, what do you mean? This isn't obvious what we do. (laughs) No, but that's that. Yeah. I'm not saying you should post more (laughs) contracts. (laughs) Oh, that baby pants image. It's fantastic. Not for the record. I think it's fantastic that you're focusing on product, but it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to know where to put your energy to. It's like, it's good to have that balance of work and yeah. It's hard to know how far down the rabbit hole you should push. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the very, very like simple, I don't know if I've talked about this kind of very publicly, but the very simple comparison that's easy and maybe a lot of people that listen to this have similar business scenarios is if we do a $500 custom job, you say like a job shop job, like everything has to go right typically for us to make profit on that because of overhead, because of the time it takes to set that job up and communicate it and all those things, the overhead, just 500 is the minimum we really do because of those reasons. And if we sell a dust boot that's $500, like that amount of time is already, it's now being amortized, right? All that design yeah. effort, all that stuff is amortized into now we just theoretically keep making the profit rather than the profit, yeah. you know, having to be that's right. Constructed every time the labor that yeah. is. There's assembly, obviously, but it's more fixed. Everything's fixed. And unless something goes drastically wrong, it's just so much more. It's like every time we sell one, it feels like I just did a $500 job shop job, but it took me five seconds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so nice as an experience and it feels like you're doing yeah. the right thing anyway. No, oh, absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's why we're. We've been chasing that product percentage for years. Like we've, it's always been a smaller fraction of our work, and we've, for years and mm-hmm. years we've been trying to make it the majority. Yeah, and failing. And then part of the reason we're failing is because we continue to hang on to the old safety net of custom work. We've had a, an inbox that's been overflowing with inquiries since the beginning, mm-hmm. and so it's very hard to like cut off that that safety yeah. net and say. Right product it is. Let's go. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Well, we should probably wrap things up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my quick recommendation is that article in The Prepared this week, which features a, a lovely photo of your work. Yeah. Cool. I haven't read it yet, but they contacted it's us. Read. It's about Baltic Birch, which I'm yeah. interested to read, but they contacted us about using some photo of Baltic Birch. I sent them a few and they picked one. And very nice of them to use it. Yeah. Are you in the prepared Slack channel? No. Nah, I know people that I actually don't read it religiously. It'll come up every once in a while. I'll read something, but I know a lot of people really like it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I suppose my recommendation is from my friend Kyle. It's where like a book club, but with links. <laughs> Not a read because I don't read very much is my friend Kyle sent this to me, another friend. I just subtitled it enough, but this guy Kevin Cavanaugh did a TEDx Portland talk. It's like 2018. It's quite a while ago. But just a good conversation of his experience with losing a lot during the recession and how okay. how he came back from it and how he changed his business and tried to make things more equitable and help people through daily efforts of his work where he's trying to do it more as like a every day we do good things kind of effort, I think. It's maybe I would summarize it. Okay, cool. I'll check it out. It's pretty short. Sounds on topic. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound like something you'd like. We both like. There's never enough CNCs, though. Never. Okay, till next time. You okay? 
I said, till next time. Gross. No, and I said, are you okay? Yeah. Is this a trick question? Yeah. <laughs> no. I was very stressed out earlier in the week, but then we pushed back our home cabinet scenario. We were like rushing to finish our cabinet install so that they could come and measure for countertops. And then we realized uh, after right. Monday that we were nowhere close to it being ready. Yeah. And so I'm much less stressed out now. <laughs> now it's just Good. normal stress. Cool, man. We did the crickets button. <laughs> Where the hell is the crickets? <laughs> That's not crickets. <laughs> it's all good. We're, uh, this is how you end a show, right? <laughs> Just mashing buttons. <laughs> <laughs> mashing buttons until it stops. Okay. Well, I don't know how to stop Bye. Bye. Good chat. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get all those sound bites. <laughs> Sweet. I finally figured out how to... Burn me once with tea!